Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join us today on this program. Well, we have started the series on Philippians, which is one of my favorite books. And we've had a great start. The first episode, we talked about the Apostle Paul and the uniqueness of his calling and his ministry and the person that he was. That if anyone could earn their salvation, it'd be the Apostle Paul because of his knowledge and his skill and his background and his education and his discipline. But yet he was a champion for grace. And that is absolutely evident in this epistle. The following week, we talked about the early church, the church that became the church at Philippi. We had the starting team of the jaded centurion, the demon-possessed girl, and the businesswoman in Lydia, and how God took those humble means and created a church that we're talking about to this very day. Last week, we actually got started in chapter one, and we talked about the foundations the relationship between Paul and Timothy, the bishops and deacons, and the foundations of this wonderful church. So today we get to continue in chapter one. We get to go a little bit further this week. We're going to be verses three through 11. We're going to see joy. We're going to see prayer, partnership, anticipation, mature believers, and is a, a truly inspiring passage. And let's dig in starting in verse 3. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. My goodness, friend, where do we even begin? Let's talk about, I thank my God in all remembrance of you. Let me ask you a question. The great part of this epistle is you get to see the relationship that Paul has with this struggling church we see joy expressed in both Christ and in community. One question I ask when I preach this passage is, do you like doing things by yourself or do you prefer to do things with other people? And again, sometimes it's fun to be a loner. Sometimes we need those times for ourselves, And obviously we all need personal, private devotion time, spiritual disciplines to where we are 
alone with God, with our scriptures, with our prayer life, and we submit to grow in him. At the same time, though, our relationship is never complete outside of community. Colossians 3, 14 and 15 says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And that's what you're seeing in this passage. You see the connection, you see the support, and you see the growth that comes from the relationship that Paul has with this church. He expresses gratitude despite internal conflict in the church and great ministry of despair and hardship. And he shows joy despite his imprisonment. That is the attitude of a mature believer who is growing. And so as far as partnership, you see koinonia, which is translated from the Greek, and it means certain concepts such as fellowship, joint participation, of sharing. It's the kind of relationship that exists within Christian fellowship in the body of Christ. You see that expressed over and over through his prayers of thanksgiving, through his talking, through his effusive praise. And again, taking these pieces apart and looking at them and knowing that he thanks God in his remembrance of them and that he prays for them and that causes joy. And then he hits us with uh, this iconic verse that expresses his heart's desire for his friends in verse six. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, that is a prayer we should be praying for each other, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. How many times have we seen people in our life come to church for a season, but their faith remains incomplete. They walk away, they stagnate, they don't grow, or their faith is always dependent upon other people. They never grow to full Christian maturity. In this, Paul's so confident that God is working in their life and that he's going to see that to completion and see this fledgling church do its work. He says in verse 7 that it feels that way because he holds them in the heart as all being partakers with me of grace. The Apostle Paul is such an iconic figure that sometimes we think that God used less grace on Paul because of his renown. And I'm here to tell you that Paul would be the first person to tell you that he's the chief of all sinners and that God used just as much grace to redeem him as he did any of us. And he retains that humility in this passage, writing from prison, suffering for his faith, to encourage those who he loves. And again, I love that image because think about that. Someone is in prison on death row awaiting execution, writing words of affirmation and encouragement to people on the outside. That's a curious thought. Usually we think of people, and there are ministries that do, write letters to prison inmates and encourage them and share the gospel with them. But how much even more powerful when you have that inmate writing the letters and sharing the gospel with people on the outside. That's a, a beautiful picture of community if I've ever seen one. Obviously, Paul expresses his 
uh, disappointment at their separation, that he has affection and love for each of them and misses them. But he continues to pour in to their lives through this letter. He prays for them that love may abound more and more as they grow in knowledge and discernment. Friend, are you discipling someone? Again, with the Apostle Paul did that better than just about anybody. He was always investing in Timothy and Titus and other protégés that he had along the way. He's always writing epistles. This is a challenge to us that if Paul can do this in his meager circumstances, his tenuous, frightening circumstances, then why are we not investing in others? Why are we not living with the same faith and the same hope that the Apostle Paul had and sharing that with others until Jesus comes back or until we go to be with him? And then, of course, here at the end of the passage says that you may approve what is excellent and pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God be praised. These words of encouragement are very appropriate for the times we live in. Do we encourage others to live lives that are excellent and pure and blameless? Do we hold ourselves and others to the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus? And do we live our lives in such a way that our lives point to God so that he gets all of the glory? Those are indeed challenging words. But I think today, the main takeaway I want to look at for this particular passage is the joy, not happiness, not self-interest, joy. Happiness is circumstantial. It comes from the fact that things are going our way and we feel happy about that. Joy comes from God. Joy comes from being in the center of God's will to being completely trusting of him in all of our circumstances. And you see that playing out in this letter where he freely encourages those people that he loves, again, from a prison in terrible circumstances. But in so doing, he is inspiring them and he's inspiring us to this very day. Friend, you have joy in your life. Americans chase happiness above and beyond success beyond prestige and other forms of achievement. You will constantly hear people say, I'm not happy. And they're pursuing happiness like some kind of earthly holy grail. Friend, I've known so many people that have the joy of the Lord in their life. The people that sell off everything and move to the mission field the people who dig deep and serve their communities and show great self-sacrifice, while their success may not impress people by worldly standards, by godly standards, they feel contentment and purpose and a drive and a love. And again, the joy of the Lord permeates every aspect of their life. And friend, I've known people who live with that joy amid socioeconomics that are not ideal. I see people give their life in areas that are considered dysfunctional, but they serve and love those people 
and they show them the joy of the Lord every day. And in so doing, they're giving those communities the same kind of joy that we're seeing for Christ and community in this very passage. Because Christian community can thrive anywhere. If it can thrive in this aspect of Philippi, it can thrive in your community. So my question to you as we close today is, are you showing the joy of the Lord in your life? Are you experiencing Christian community? And are you following hard after him? Maybe today you need to say, I'm going to stop following happiness as my number one goal. I'm going to let God direct me and I'm going to live in his joy. Some of you have not been at church for a long time. Maybe they've hurt you. Maybe you've had some difficult experiences. Maybe church leaders were not what they were supposed to be and they had to be removed. Or maybe you had to remove yourself from those situations. Friend, I grieve with you over that. But I also want to encourage you to find a church, to find a biblical community. I mean, there's even groups that are planting new churches. Maybe there's a new church sprouting up in your community, and it needs someone like you to be part of that koinonia and that biblical fellowship. Friend, I encourage you to seek that out, to find that, so that you can experience the same kind of relationship that we have studied today, and that you in turn can encourage the people of that fellowship the way that Paul is encouraging the people through this letter. As you grow in your faith and as you grow in your community, I'll leave you with 1 Peter 1.22. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. I wish for you a wonderful day, and I wish for you wonderful biblical fellowship. Thank you for joining me today, and we'll see you on the next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.